Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, a different woman shares her story, often in a live setting, with the bottom line being that God is good. Our local gathering is taking a break until January, so today we bring you a favorite story from last year. This storyteller is actually one of our very own team members, Lindy. Finding out that she had breast cancer when her children were young brought her to a significant turning point. And while the diagnosis was never life-threatening, it did forever alter her life as she knew it. Through it all, God changed her perspective and her priorities. Her story is filled with humor, Jesus, and wisdom that left us wanting to hear more. You're guaranteed to enjoy this and be encouraged. Here's Lindy. I just want to start out with some classic James Taylor. Like, I just... Like, I really just wish I had a guitar and I could sing and we could all go home. But I don't, I don't even play guitar. So, um, so my name is Lindy Walker and I appreciate the, the opportunity to be here today. This is a little strange in the fact that I've, I've shared my story on a stage with a microphone and this almost makes me a little more nervous. So let's all go. Okay, good, good. So, um, I grew up here in Birmingham and I have three children. Children. I have a son at Auburn, War Eagle, and I have two daughters in high school. And we live in Vestavia, and all of y'all look very young to me. So <laughs> I am here to give you hope that there is light at the end of your tunnel. And uh, I'm going to give you just some good old-fashioned uh, wisdom. So we'll see about that. So this is Storytellers, and the story that I'm going to tell you today is um, when I went for my very first mammogram back in 2013. I was 42 years old. For those of you doing the math, I'm 48 today. And um, so it was April, and I went for my first mammogram. I'm in, I'm out. They call me back in a couple of days, and they say, um, we need you to come back and get some closer pictures. And so I went back in there and I remember the day that I was sitting there because um, my son was sick at home, um, but needed to check in second period for a test. And so I'm sitting there in the waiting room and the tech comes out and says, Miss Walker, um, the doctor needs to see you upstairs. And my first thought was, I, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. But I didn't even really think about what this was. I just thought, oh, goodness. So I trudge upstairs, make an appointment with a surgeon, fast forward, get the biopsy. And probably a, a couple of days later, it was a Monday, um, I was headed back to the surgeon's office to get the results of the biopsy. And I had texted, I had two friends praying for me over the weekend. And one of them texted me that morning and she said, I'm praying for you today. I'm praying for your meeting. Psalm 46, one through three. Well, that verse says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And if you look down in verse five, verse five says, God is within her. She will not fail. He will be with her at the break of day. And at that moment, sitting in my car in my driveway, I heard God say, it's positive, but I've got this. Now, if I'm sitting where you are, and I have been, several times I 
would hear people say, oh, the Lord spoke to me. And I'll be like, right. It's great. It's very, very churchy of you. Um, Because he doesn't really talk to me. Okay. Um, But it was very clear just in that moment, just the peace that God said, this is positive. And so going into that surgeon's office, I know he thought I was a nut because I was like, because I just, I really did have a peace. And I remember looking at my husband and saying, I'm going to have a testimony. I'm going to have a testimony. So let me be clear. My cancer was never um, life or death. A great prognosis. I'm a poster child for early diagnosis and get your mammogram. Raise your hand if you've had a mammogram. Y'all are all babies, but if you haven't, go get one. Um, So it was never a matter of life or death for me, but it was a matter of just surrender. And whose plan was it? Was it my plan or was it God's plan? And so um, as a matter of fact, it's funny because I didn't even call it cancer. I called it an advanced breast infection. (laughs) So that was kind of the, the joke in our house that, you know, somebody would say cancer and I'd be like, oh, it's not cancer. It's an advanced breast infection. (laughs) And my husband was like, no, honey, you have cancer. Not really, but it's fine. So can we be transparent, right? Okay. So it was never a matter of life and death. And my issue was I had two lumpectomies that summer and they just kept finding more disease. And so um, for me personally, I thought, you know what? I'm really tired of sitting my kids down and talking to them. And so, you know what? We're going to have a mastectomy and I'm going to get me some implants and they're going to be high and tight and it's going to (laughs) be... And it's going to be fabulous. And thank you, Lord. This is our plan. Okay? (laughs) I'm not kidding, right? So I'm praying about all this. I've surrendered. But, you know, Lord, this is our plan. The plan is mastectomy implants. Got it? So in September, I went in um, for a double mastectomy, and everything went fine. Um, Five days post-op, my surgeon calls me and says, "Um, Hey, Lindy, uh, we found more disease. You've got a positive margin, which only happens in 3% of mastectomy cases. Thank you. (laughs) So um, you're a winner. So um, that meant that I definitely had to have radiation, which most people don't need um, after mastectomy, and uh, which wasn't the issue. The issue was if you have radiation, more than likely the damage that it does to your skin and your tissue, you're not implant eligible. And um, I remember sitting in my plastic surgeon's office. His name is Dr. Fix. (laughs) Richard Fix. Not kidding. Anyway, so, and I love him. But I remember him saying he was a big proponent of not doing implants, but instead I've got this great alternative. It's a tram, and they take your tummy fat, and I can make boobs from your tummy fat. And I'm like... Oh, no, you're eligible. I'm eligible? Oh, okay. Um, Well, I'm sure they won't be as big. Oh, no, they'll be big. Yeah. (laughs) So, great. That's great. Hmm. Um, And I told to some people, they're like, oh, I wasn't eligible for that. Oh, well, I am. I'm I'm eligible. So, um, but I knew just enough to know that it just scared me to death, that it just absolutely scared me to death. And so... Typical me, I'm going to control everything. I remember telling Dr. Fix, I'm going to prove y'all wrong. Like, I'm the exception. I'm getting me some implants. I'm telling you, that's my plan, and and that's what we're going to do. Um, So I had six weeks of radiation. That was fine. And then we had a six-month waiting period. 
And I just remember just praying, you know, Lord, let me be the miracle. Lord, just please, just let, I don't want to have the the tram surgery. I want to implant. And the people that he put in my path, I mean, I'm not kidding y'all. I'm sitting there at Salon U one day getting my hair done. And this woman that I recognize as a backdoor neighbor starts talking to me and we talk about breast cancer and she had had the tram surgery years before and had gone to my surgeon. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, that worked for you. And then I'm at the club at a breast cancer luncheon. And this woman comes up to me and she says, are you Lindy Walker? Your sister's told me about you. I I had the tram surgery. Do you want to go see my boobs? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And, and, and she was fabulous. And so we're in a broom closet. I am not lying at the club and she's revealing herself to me. And I'm like, and she's like, you want to touch them? Yeah, I do. So so I'm like, poke, poke. It wasn't a, it was a, and, um, and so I'm like, oh my word, these are great. So, I mean, and again, just the people that God put in my path. I had another friend of a friend of a friend who called me and she was so upset because she was on her third surgery to repair implants after radiation that her body had rejected. And I just remember thinking, okay, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? You know, what, what are, what are you trying to tell me? So that summer it came time to make a decision. And my son was actually about to be a senior and I was just really ready to be done with the whole thing. I mean, I was just, just really kind of tired of it all. And so I just said, you know, Lord, I feel like you have shown me, you have made it so clear that you're going to take care of me. And so, um, July of 2014, um, I had an 11-hour surgery um, where they took my tummy fat and they made boobs. And these are fabulous. They feel they feel so good. Like they're so real. It's just, it's it's really amazing. Um, and so, uh, was it an easy surgery? No. Was the recovery easy? No. Um, I'm so thankful for friends who were there for me and ministered to me and. Um, there's one good thing about having six strains coming out of you and you can't move for six weeks. You really get to be still and you really get to kind of journal and spend some time with the Lord. And that is a time in my life that I will never, never want to trade for anything because it really just, um, it slowed me down. And so, um, so that's my breast cancer story. And what I want you to take away from my breast cancer story, and I've passed out index cards, I've got three questions for you guys. My first question that I want you to write down is, what do you, everybody have a card? Everyone have a pen? So if you remember at the beginning of my story, my first thought was, I don't have time for this. And so my first question to you would be, what do you have time for? What do you have time for? I want you to write down the question, not your answer. So this whole journey made me realize um, I was killing myself being involved in a lot of crap. You know, this, this world offers you a lot of crap. And so what is it that you have time for? 
because you've heard before, oh, I can really tell a lot about you if I look at your calendar and your checkbook. I can know who you are. And that's very true. Um, so one thing that the whole journey taught me is, you know, what are your passions and your pursuits and where do your strengths lie? And what is your personal mission? And, and there is where you want to spend your time. Um, currently, I love... Um, talking to people um, and speaking a positive message. And I love working with high schoolers. And so if I can align my activities to those two callings, then that's how I'm going to spend my time. So right now, most of you, I would assume you have children. They're watching how you're spending your time and they can see what you value by how you spend your time. My second question is, whose plan is it? Whose plan is it? Because I had a great plan, but it was my plan. And I think you can tell a lot about a person, I've learned, um, when, um, when the plan doesn't match, when the reality doesn't match what you think the plan should be. And if you're familiar, I know people have talked about Julie Sparkman. Fabulous. If you've read Unhitching from the Crazy Train, I wish I'd read it 15 years ago because it's all about I've got a perfect picture and how do I respond when my reality doesn't match my perfect picture? Because in, in, this, in this little beautiful town that we're in, um, you, you, can, you can really get sucked into, okay, we're going to live in this neighborhood and I'm going to have this kind of house and my son's going to be on this team and my daughter's going to be involved in this. And... What happens when that's not really the reality, right? So whose plan is it? My plan was, I'm going to make some implants. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and the Lord clearly was saying, trust me. Trust me in the details. You can trust him in the details. He wants to be in the details of your life, no matter what they are. And instead of calling someone when something doesn't go right, I try to remember, okay, I'm just going to talk to the Lord about this. My third question is, what is my third question? How did, oh, where do you get your worth? Where do you get your worth? I grew up loving the verse, and now I know why, Psalm 139, 14. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, O Lord, and my soul knows it full well. I could recite that probably since middle school. But wow, what reality um, it just became such reality to me during this time because <clears throat> a lot of us are guilty. We get our worth from our bodies because I got to be a certain size because, again, I'm in this fishbowl that people are watching me and I'm killing myself um, trying to have the perfect body or I'm involved in things and I'm getting my worth from the affirmation that I receive from such um, programs. I have a friend that calls it the treadmill of performance. Um, are you getting your worth for your husband? I would be honest to tell you that early in my marriage, I looked for, for worth from my husband. He's human. He's not going to give that to me. Um, and then a lot of us, we get our worth from our children. And that just goes back to that perfect plan. And if my worth is only in my kids and how they perform and what they do, that's going to disappoint you every single time. So where do you get your worth? And then what are we teaching our kids? Like, where do our children get their worth? Because in working with high schoolers for 10 years, I can tell you that the pressure to succeed 
is greater really than the pressure to drink or do drugs. Now, pressure to drink and do drugs is right, right over here, and I could talk to you about all that. But the pressure to succeed and the pressure that we put on our kids that they've got to perform and be in that picture, um, it's it's very real. And so, you know, where, where do you get your worth? Because if it's not from the Lord, if you don't have identity in, in Christ, then you, you might as well just be standing on a sandcastle. It's going to sink. So what do you have time for? Whose plan is it? And where do you get your worth? And I would have never dreamed when I walked in for my first mammogram. Honey, I was blowing and going. I was happy as a clam. I got it going on. I got my kids. I got my my house in country wood. I got everything I could ever want. And I never dreamed that God was going to stop me directly in my tracks. Again, never a matter of life and death, but just a matter of whose plan is it? And was I willing to surrender that plan to him? So um, you're either in one or two places. Either you've you've got a you're you're a good church girl and you got it going on. And I just pray if that's true, then you would just receive some fresh grace and be able to see God in a new way. Or maybe you've never really met Him. And my prayer there would be that you do. So I'm thankful for the time. I'm thankful to be a part of Storytellers, and I'm happy to answer questions or. I don't know. Or come on up. Come on up. And make care of that microwave to the front. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. We have a little giveaway, which is we have a card that has Psalm 46, 1 through 5 on it that you can take home and put on your refrigerator. And when you look at it, I hope that you will remember God wants to be in the details of your life. He cares about the details of your life. And so if if you would surrender those to him... I think you would be rewarded. And then on the back, we just wrote down the the books that I referenced. The other that I would um, encourage you, anything you can get your hands on by Paul David Tripp is awesome. Age of Opportunity is all about what questions are we asking during those important years with our kids. Because the questions that we ask, they tell our kids what's important to us. So I, I was I was the world's worst on Monday afternoon when my son would come home from baseball and say, hey, who's pitching this weekend? Well, that tells him that I certainly hope it's him. And it wasn't. It wasn't him. Um, But anyway, so... um so Age of Opportunity, Paul David Tripp, love him. Unhitching from the, the, the crazy train, Julie Sparkman, get your hands on it. And then we're a big proponent of familylife.org. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that. They've got great resources and books and, and everything else with, with kids. So, Questions? Anybody? How long was the, the length of time between your diagnosis and when you're when you finally felt like you were back to yourself? Hmm. Okay, so I was diagnosed in April of 2013, so I'm coming up on five years, uh, actually next week um, since my diagnosis. And my surgery, my reconstruction surgery, was in uh, July of 2014. And I would say it took a good six months for me to like completely heal and really feel like, okay, I've got energy back and and that kind of thing. Uh, A tip would be um, augmentation and reconstruction are two different things. I had a lot of people say, you're getting a boob job. I'm so excited. No, no, I'm not. (laughs) It's reconstruction. So, um, you know, a little tip, (laughs) not tip, tip. (laughs) 
did you handle talking with your kids? Like, how transparent were you? Did you show them if you had fear? How did they respond? I would say that was the worst and and just absolutely the worst part of it all. And, and part of our decision... Um, and it was our decision. Uh, I said in, in my story before, the sweetest thing my husband's ever said to me is, honey, I didn't marry you for your boobs. Uh, it, it, that's not what this... And I'm like, you didn't? Because I kind of thought you did. <laughs> I mean, because they were really fabulous. But anyway, um, I'm sorry, I digress. But um, So part of our decision in the whole mastectomy was I was tired of sitting my kids down and saying, they've got to go back in and they've got to get a little more out. But um, at the time, my youngest was only in fourth grade. I believe. And so we literally did not tell her anything until the night before. And we just said, mom is going to the hospital for a couple of days. So we didn't tell her. And I had some sweet teachers at her school that just really loved on her. But um, my son, my daughter hyperventilated um, the night that we told her. And then my son, um, he didn't say anything. He just sat there with tears coming down his face. So um, that, that was definitely the hardest part. But we did try to be as transparent as possible. So that, that's scary to them. And even like my, my kids will, I can't search anything on Google because, you know, they'll see it and they'll be like, are you okay? But, and, and really what I hate is that my girls now are, you can tell that they're already preparing for, am I going to have cancer? Am I going to have breast cancer? So I hate that, but it's reality. Anything else? Okay, so now I'm going to show you. I'm sorry. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm not going to show. I was kidding. Yeah. And this may be, like, really a lot of detail and everything, but maybe just a couple points. What, so and as far as your life and your priorities, what biggest things changed for you after? You know what I mean? Like after you realized? For those of you that have known me for a long time, you know, in my 30s, I was very much a, yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. Yes, you need me over here. Yes, I'm your girl. I'll be happy to do that. So I was, I was yes to everything. And um, I remember my sister one day when my kids were young, she was like, you kill yourself from eight to three, and then you're exhausted when your real job begins. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm fine. Um, so for me, it was really, I love the stage I'm in right now because I really feel like for the first time in a long time that I have a handle on spending my time and really you know, what do you have time for? That's all about, do you have margin in your life to sit still and hear from the Lord? Like my big pet peeve right now is not pet peeve, but I don't enjoy getting up and going every day. I kind of like a slow morning and, you know, that kind of thing. And so I realize you you may not be there yet, or maybe your personality type that you're like, oh yeah, I, t- I totally get it. <laughs> but I wasn't like that in my 30s. I was blowing and going and trying to do as much as possible. And, you know, um, but now I feel like I've really honed in on here are my strengths. And it's okay to have, it's it's okay to say, I enjoy this and I'm good at it. You know, a lot of times we don't want to even give credit to our worth to be able to say, yeah, I can do this and this is what I'm good at. And then going ahead and kind of carving our time in that direction. Is that kind of what you're looking for? Yeah. Yeah. So um, and it was hard for me to be still and recover and just sit and let people bring me food and you know, um, again, if I can't even say cancer, I say advanced (laughs) breast infection. (laughs) I really just had to, you know, sit and say, yeah, I've, I've had a huge surgery and I need you to bring me supper and I need you to take my kid to baseball. So 
have you seen your children change? Like you were saying, um, what you focus on now and what's important to you, has is that shifted for them as well? I think um, I've seen glimpses of that. Um, on my refrigerator right now or on my bulletin board, I have something that my youngest child wrote um, a couple of years, um, probably two years, so it would have been when everything was over. But, but she wrote about, um, I guess they had to write about heroes, and she just wrote about... Um, how brave I was during my journey and, um, and just, you know, giving credit to God and stuff. And so I think even when we don't realize our kids are watching y'all, y'all know they're watching. They see how we handle things. They see how we have fun. They see how we complain. They see, they see everything. Um, so, and then I think for my son, it was, it was, you know, just, just definitely, they had never seen my husband probably be as vulnerable as he was when we, when we were first diagnosed and going through all that. And I think that was a good glimpse for them as well. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question, but a little bit, I would say little glimpses. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to visit our website, storytellerslive.org. And under the show notes, you can download for free the scripture card that Lindy passed out at our local gathering. We're grateful for you and we hope you'll join us again soon.